Hello and welcome to the Gaming Fix Podcast, episode 300 on January 7th, 2024. I am your host, Andre Cole, a.k.a. The Wet Gamer, a.k.a. your partner's favorite candy bar. I'm joined today by Allison. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I, I haven't had it in a long time uh, because it is the... Uh, chocolate bar in the it's a UK chocolate bar, the Double Decker um, where it has like, it has nougat and it's crunchy and it has uh, it's it's just a very good chocolate bar um, so I, I think that it's uh, there are a lot of very good candies when I was in, in the UK and uh, America's kind of slacking I think. Okay wow, just uh, no no patriotism your candy bar selection. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, like we all know, Hershey's chocolate is shit. So it's like you you, you got to go international for some good chocolate. All right. Also joining us today, Pat. Actually, like Hershey's just fine, but I understand okay. the I I understand the sentiment uh, that that most have. Uh, I like uh, Reese's Fast Break. Well, those okay. are good. Is that they? They made a lot of different kinds of Reese's, didn't they? Is that the one? Yeah, the wafer inside. It's nougat. It's got nougat inside. It's it's like it's chocolate, peanut butter, nougat. Um, yeah. Yeah. Nice and simple. The nougat gives it a little extra, little extra chewiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just eat them a lot. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm remembering. You know, I like I, take five bars a lot too. Sure. Uh-huh. The pretzel oh, yeah, and the chocolate uh-huh, uh-huh. and the, the peanut the butter. Pretzel yeah. adds a lot, I think. It does. I like chocolate and peanut butter a lot, but I need more than just the Reese's yeah, cup. It's gotta yeah. have like something salty. else. So the crunch from a yeah, salty crunch from from the pretzel or the, the, the nougat are both they both get me there. Yeah. I I feel like you kind of need to have a, you need to have those multiple sensations of it either being like crunchy or the chewiness of a nougat um i'm like i actually don't love just plain chocolate like in general so i need to have like kind of different flavors in like a dark chocolate yeah Uh, that's part of my i don't i wouldn't just eat a hershey's bar i like the the hershey's bar i like is a cookies and cream hershey's bar which is like yeah those those i think are good and i don't mind hershey's chocolate when it's part of something yeah. Else. Um, oh, agreed. I, I, it's, it's just like I couldn't eat like just a plain Hershey's bar. Like if they. No, but I wouldn't eat just a plain, even the best chocolate in the world. I would try it, but I probably wouldn't want to eat it all the time by itself. Uh, y- yeah, I, I actually agree with that. I, I don't love just like a plain chocolate. I also don't like chocolate ice cream, so that's my hot takes. I don't either. No, I'm with you there. Hey. I am not a I'm not, not a chocolate ice cream person. <laughs> No, I I'll I can deal with chocolate with ice cream that has again that has chocolate in it or even chocolate ice cream like swirled in it for some reason. But even yeah. then, I wouldn't just get it. I don't I don't really eat ice cream anymore that doesn't have something else going on with it. So that's true. I don't either. I'm not a child. Um, I'm not limited to vanilla yeah. or chocolate. I like I like Ben and Jerry's where there's like. Yeah, stuff in yeah. there. I, I like uh, a little swirl, yeah. a little uh, chocolate crunch, or like a, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there, there is a 
I think it's Meiji uh, in Japan. Uh, Meiji chocolate has a like a raspberry infused dark Ooh, chocolate bar, that's um, good. which is that like sounds good. And they're like divided up into like thirds, so like it's like an individually wrapped like third of a like oh, Hershey really bar nice. length. So you'd be like, okay, I just want a couple pieces, and then it's not like uh, open. It's yeah, it's uh, it's good. Yeah, yeah, because there's um a, a a chocolate bar somewhere here. I, I I don't know. It's like one of the kind of like fancy ones where you get it as a treat when you go sh- uh, grocery shopping that have. Uh, freeze-dried raspberries in them mm, yeah, um and sure. i really like that but i never want like the full bar because mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. a lot <laughs> uh, so God. that sounds really nice to have it the thirds when i was in high school a friend gave me a piece of this chocolate bar that had like espresso cream like in the center it was like like a just like a kind of Hershey's bar thickness or like maybe a little bit thicker and then a very thin layer of like an espresso cream running through the middle. It was so good. And I was like, where did you get this? Coffee ice cream, really good. Yeah, coffee ice cream. Oh, I, I love I coffee love ice cream. love some espresso ice cream. Very delicious. Yes. Uh, yeah, like I'm, even when I have not been a fan of coffee, uh, just like coffee flavor, like in sweets, always good yeah even like even before i liked um uh coffee or drink coffee i loved like a tiramisu um so coffee flavor and and sweets is is really good yep highly recommend uh coffee flavored sweets um and it sounds like maybe we have some games we highly recommend this week or at least one from allison with a classic uh back from the gamecube era yes so i um was both thinking about it this being our 300th episode wanting to bring something special uh brought a game from 300 years ago (laughs) (laughs) true i mean it is like i think 20 years ago at this point so it's uh 20 30 300 you could say (laughs) All the same, and, but but uh, also I saw that it was on on sale over the holidays on the Switch, and uh, apparently the re or uh, the remastered version has been fixed. Okay, because I was, it was, that was going to be the first was, question I asked. <laughs> yeah, no, because I saw it was on sale, uh, and I was like, Ooh, it's it's Tales of Symphonia. Um, but I, but it's, uh, re, uh, release, uh, came out and it was bad, but apparently they've patched it. Um, so it's, it's good again. Um, so I've been replaying my, one of my favorite games of all time, which is Tales of Symphonia. And, uh, it's one of those things where you worry a little bit about, like, is this going to hold up this remaster really doesn't seem to have done very much to change it sure. but i think that's just fine because it is uh i think really holds up um 20 years later of an uh action rpg it, it just feels it feels so good to play the writing is great the characters are great um and i'm it, it it also I think looks it looks very good. It it definitely feels dated, but the anime art style I think makes it look like you know 
kind of hold up. It's, in, it's in pretty timeless. I feel like. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it's 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 a it's an art style or has like a cel shaded anime art style that makes it look really quite good. Um, even you know twenty years later, and f- coming from a GameCube after various ports of they ported it to ps2 and various things but uh it's yeah so it's uh i i think has really held up remarkably well and it's uh i'm I'm having a very good time playing it uh on switch nice uh what is the story in like what is it about what is the the general vibe so, or like... <laughs> that's kind of interesting because basically it, it's it's the start of the game is pretty uh it has like a pretty you think has a very straightforward story where it's basically uh the main character is lloyd he's in this um he lives near this small town and in that small town there's colette who is the chosen who is basically supposed to regenerate the world and defeat the evil and so now they have to go around to visit temples uh unsealed temples regenerate the world and destroy the evil but um personally as somebody that knows the game really well uh things aren't as they seem Mm -hmm. and so there are there are a lot of kind of twists and turns of that narrative and um that's basically only the start of the game so like uh that's, I, I, that's how jrpgs go these days yeah, is, right you know and or i mean they have for always a long time now is you think the story is one thing and then it quickly changes into yeah, some other because weird... i think yeah I, I used to um realize when people uh were talking about tales of symphonia how far they got i knew how far they got into the game based on how they talked about the story mm-hmm. because a lot because if they're like oh the story is really kind of generic you're like mm, it's That's not, like, it's, yeah, so many uh, JRPGs are, and a lot of games are like that to start, and then they like, then they do their weird thing, and games need to s- stop doing that. Like, they just need to do your unique thing. We don't need like a bait and switch of like, oh, this is I, a, and this is this is an old game, so this is not a, a criticism of Tales I of Symphonia. Also, I think it obviously. works really well here, yeah, because it is like. You know the care because all the characters think like oh it, it's not like it's just a bait and switch for you it's a bait and switch for the characters yeah of because course. they think like oh okay we're gonna go on this journey of regeneration and we're going to um you know go unseal the these temples and do the world but I th- but even still like it it, it is pretty the the like thematically it, it's it already gets into some of like kind of heavy stuff right away. Mm-hmm. Um, like the uh character, like one of the um things are these uh like like the enemies are are this uh race called the Desians, um who are um who basically have like these human ranches where they're like they're they're basically enslaving humans to do labor and uh but the town that you grow up in 
it has like a non-aggression treaty with them. So you're so it's like there's like a lot of stuff where I'm like, damn, how like I was playing this when I was like like thirteen, I think. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, I was just like, I, I, it, it gets like pretty heavy stuff pretty right away, but. As the story unfolds, you start um, learning a lot more about, you know, things aren't as much as they seem. Um, You are introduced to more, like, interesting characters, and it's, uh, it's, it's, I think, really great. And Mm -hmm. it's, the gameplay so far has really felt very good to play. like it's it's still the kind of action gameplay that they they, they keep up with uh in in the tale series so but i think it it works really well still uh so i'm i'm very much enjoying replaying this game because i think uh because i love it and then i'm playing it again i'm like oh it's still so good mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh like it it's, it's it's kind of amazing how much of it has stuck with me over the years because I was I was going into um one of the early kind of uh, dungeons and temples and things and I'm like oh here's where this is oh yep I remember that this uh uh this uh chest is actually a mimic that's mm-hmm. funny and so it's like it's amazing just like the kind of stuff that is still stuck in my brain but it but revisiting after years and years it's like it it, it feels it, it feels not new but yeah um, so you played it, still, it at feels a fresh. formative time or whatever and yes. so it it feels like, like oh yeah i remember where this is and uh, yes exactly it's oh i remember how this to, puzzle goes yeah and... fun to go back to old games like that and be like oh man yeah. i really remember this yeah because well it's it's it also uh i mean was really a big thing that made me fall in love with RPGs in general. Um, like I, I obviously like Pokemon was the thing that got me into video games, and then um, Paper Mario was a big thing that got me into RPGs beyond Pokemon. But Tales of Symphonia is really like a big RPG game that for for me to kind of love RPGs, um, and and so it was really kind of like the thing that introduced me to a lot of that a lot of those mechanics a lot of those ideas um and just like a lot of things like I think that was like the first time like in any fiction I might have seen a mimic like I was like Mm, sure you know so for me I'm like oh yeah like in Tales of Symphonia but it has that (laughs) (laughs) you know that there's there's a lot of those things where where it was like the first introduction for me for like a lot of RPG yeah ideas like like I remember when that happened being like hell is that what the hell is that like I I was supposed to be opening a chest and now there's an enemy mm-hmm. what like I remember being shocked so it's a uh, it's 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 very fun um trying to uh yeah I'm trying to remember where I first remember encountering a mimic and like it it can't be the first place but like i you know remembering encountering a dark souls mimic for the first time 
is like the closest I can get to that feeling of just like mm. yeah, because it's, it's a it's a good they're good mimics. Yeah, when like you go to open that thing and just the mouth hinges open and there's all those teeth and the big tongue and it stands up and chomps you. It's it's really good. Uh and and I kind of at this point iconic uh implementation of the uh of the mechanic, but yeah, uh it's cool to have like a game where you can point to like, oh, this is where I encountered this thing for the first time, and it's your reference point for the things that you yeah. Know, other people are like, oh, Dungeons and Dragons, or you know, whatever, uh, whatever the first use of mimic is. I I I, I guess I don't know. Um, yeah, it's it's just uh, interesting. Yeah, learning about uh. It, it, how this was really like formative for me in terms of what I like as games and what in terms of what I, you know, look for in an RPG. So it's 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 fun to revisit because it's just I think still still very good and still um, I think hitting me even though I know what's going on. There's there's a couple of like like emotional moments at the at the start of the game where I'm like. Damn, they did that really well. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's it's very, it's 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 very fun to revisit, and uh, I'm just something that was so formative for me as a video game, and and informing what I think of as an RPG, what I think of as a good video mm-hmm. game in general. Um, so yeah, I still I still recommend it if. If uh, it's on sale on Steam or on um, Switch, there's it's it's a I think really great game. And the Steam version's been up there for like six, it has seven, seven eight years at this point. Uh, based on yeah. the PS3 version, I don't know. Yes. I think it's a. I mean, it's on Steam. It's been there. I think it's decent at this point. But it's weird that they have that, and then the Switch version was like such a disaster. But. Yeah, it, it, I it, it was such a shame that that was a such a disaster because it seems like they fixed it. Um, it, it's it's interesting hearing because uh, one of the things that stuck sticks out to me um, playing it is that some of the audio seems a little bit um, like I, I don't know how to describe it, but like the the vocal audio, I, I wonder if they just didn't record it very. well well because you you hear like like small like peaks occasionally not not very much and like small it sounds like it's like did they redo the audio no i don't think so um because that's exactly how i remember Mm -hmm. it um which is it i kind of like that personally because i'm like there are certain like specific inflections where i'm Mm -hmm. like oh oh yeah it's that's that's it for me um but but it's interesting that maybe I just it, this is how it always was and I just never noticed because I was playing it on an old TV. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I, and that seems like a likely explanation. Game old TV. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I I think the voice acting's um, really quite good too. So it's uh, it, it's it's very like for 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 maybe the time like. They they got a really good cast for for this um for the English dub so I I'm enjoying revisiting that too. Nice. 
well, uh, maybe you'll be making your way through the Tales games now, playing all. Oh, of them. I need, I need to. I love, I, I love this game. I, but I have only like scratched the surface of playing some of the other mm-hmm. Tales games. So I really need to um, kind I, of I dig am, deeper into that. I'm always eyeing a rise whenever it is on a like a steam sale i'm like oh that'd be a good one to play on the steam deck and i've got so many (laughs) other games to play i'm like i already have it but i'm like oh what if it's on the steam deck Uh uh um i i never noticed this but i was just looking at the voice acting and apparently uh my favorite character in the game uh is voiced by jennifer hale and i had no idea so interesting in symphonia or in arise in symphonia yeah okay it, you know, they all got to start somewhere. I don't know where Jennifer Hale started, but uh, I, I mean, she's she's done a million things. But... Yeah, yeah. Wonder what her first game is. Jennifer Hale's first game, uh, Quest for uh, Quest for Glory: Shadows of Darkness in 1994. Huh. One of her very first roles, according to this Game Rant article. So, um, yeah. Well, uh, that's Tales of Symphonia in 2024 on the Switch. Uh, but uh, we also have... I I, I was going to say something new, but I, I don't know if this game is new. Uh, Workers and Resource Soviet Republic, Pat. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so I was looking for something to dip into that was kind of like... Legit, not specifically a city builder, but like something logistics minded. I played some Factorio over the break. That was fun. Uh, I'm was I did the tutorials and I'm not ready to start <laughs> that from the ground up, but it's cool. Uh, I played some Transport Fever yesterday, which is Transport Fever Two, which is a cool game that you kind of like you build like train and truck networks. Um, but it's not quite as detailed as. I'll probably play a little more of that too because it is fun, but it's not quite as detailed as I was kind of mm-hmm. looking for. So I noticed that this game was on sale in the Steam Capitalism and Economy Fest, which is sure. very funny mm-hmm. that Workers and Resources Soviet Republic is in <laughs> is in that uh, this that festival. Fest. It um, is it is economy. <clears throat> so. I don't even know. Like it's hard for me to get a read on what the games. Uh, kind of political bent is they did do a like charity pack for Ukraine. So they're not like necessarily a, a, a I don't know where the, the developers based, sure. but looks uh, like it's, it's Slovakia. I was just looking ah, it up. Okay. That makes sense. Um, But, uh, but it doesn't, it doesn't have the, I, and I kind of appreciate this about it. It doesn't have the kind of like, it has a little bit of a, tongue-in-cheekness to it but it's not not like like tropico or whatever and i really like the tropico games but like those games are are like on the nose yeah and it's kind of (laughs) my feelings about that has got has i've been listening to a lot of blowback and i'm listening to the season of blowback it's about cuba and it's it's kind of has me a little averse to stuff that's making fun of uh that whole uh situation um but anyway um it dovetails with having an interest in playing something that is uh that that that's at least taking a uh look at communism and how to operate uh, a communist 
society anyway. And so uh, Workers and Resources Soviet Republic is at a, is kind of at its core like a, a city builder. It's, it's it's looks and feels a lot like a SimCity kind of game when it comes to like camera perspective and the stuff that you're doing. Um, but it's cool and different. And it's hard to differentiate yourself, I feel like, in the city building genre at this point, because there's it's like either you're taking a wild leap to like, oh, it's a space station or it's on other planets or uh-huh. or something, or you're just kind of doing a lot of the stuff that SimCity has been doing or did do uh, back in, in its time. And like part of the reason there hasn't been a new SimCity is because that last SimCity game, you know, people had mixed feelings on, but, but before that they made SimCity four. And I mean, other than, I guess, new graphics, SimCity four is kind of like the ultimate city mm-hmm. running game in that style. And, um, even city skylines too, has kind of struggled to really do something different than what the first city skylines did. So what's cool about, uh, workers and resources though, is that it is looking at it from this kind of, uh, socialist perspective. That's the whole focus instead of being, like one branch that you could go into. And um, so typically in city building games, your focus is on uh, zoning, providing services and collecting taxes as revenue. So you're trying to balance the books by running different programs and then balancing out with revenue from people who are from like a a theoretically healthy economy that's running in the background, but it's not necessarily hyper detailed uh, when it comes to like where our inputs and exports coming from and going, yeah. um, so what 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 workers and resources does differently, and it in turn makes it very complicated. So it's it's harder to learn than a lot of those games, but it's actually interested in where every piece of the economic puzzle comes from because you do have money. Money is is there's rubles and dollars because some things you're buying with rubles, some things you're buying with dollars. But generally, you're using money currency, and you have to buy those with your credit card. And uh, generally, what you're doing, so the game has like multiple difficulty levels, and you can play it on a difficulty level where you can just buy the buildings, and it plays a lot like SimCity. But the intent eventually is what you're doing is when you go to build a building, you're saying, "Okay, I want to build apartments here," and so. Then the game saying, okay, well, you need these resources, you need this, you need these construction materials, you need metal, whatever. And so you have to have a factory that you've, you have to have, you know, a gravel pit where you're, where you're mining the gravel. And then that's got to have a place where it's being processed. And then the then the, the place where it's being processed, there's got to be storage facilities where the processed construction materials are coming from or going to. And then you need a construction office that's at, that that is aggregating kind of all of these different resources that are required for building buildings. And um, each step of the way has to have workers that are working for it, which are actual like simulated people in the environment. And then uh, you also need the vehicles that are necessary to complete the work. So basically, and then once you have all of those things put together, then they can start building your apartment building. So that's true for all of the different aspects. You know, if you have a canned food factory, you need the different farms and, and food producers that are, that go into putting the canned food together. You need the vehicles that drive the canned food to the the place. You need the, um, 
the the vs you you need you know a dump whereas in SimCity you might just build a dump a landfill and the thing you have to worry about is is wind carrying the smell from the dump to my residential area in workers and resources it cares about that but it also cares about okay where what you need to buy the garbage trucks that are going to carry the garbage and what happens to the garbage at the dump does it just keep filling up because that's not that'll fill up so you need an incinerator to incinerate the garbage but the incinerator produces ash which is a condensed thing but the ash has to go somewhere too maybe you can find a building that will use the ash for some process so it's very cool because you start to get to the point where money is basically the the use of money is just to purchase the goods and services. Goods, mm. well, to purchase the goods that your economy can't produce on its own. So mm. maybe you need, uh, like electronics or something, and you don't have a way to produce the silicone to make the electronics yourself because you know whatever map you're playing on just doesn't have that. So you could buy the completed electronics, or you could buy component parts and have a factory where you're building it. Your where you're having your workers build it. Um, but it's very cool because it and then it, because the the challenges of it's, it almost combines the 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 sim city-ness of you also have to keep your your population happy you have to keep you know there's crime to think about you have to have a fire department they need health care they need education and it thinks about things like uh if your if families parents can't go to work if their kids don't have a place to go during the day. So you have to provide school also as a form of childcare so that the parents can go to work and stuff like that. And there's the, the place where it gets a little bit um, into the political side. Uh, and I don't necessarily think it's problematic the way it portrays this, but um, you, you have to like, if your teachers don't have a certain threshold of government loyalty, then it can lead to your, the children growing up and, and just leaving because they get taught about, they get taught, you know, they frame it in the game as Western propaganda. And I, it's kind of tongue in cheek when they say it um, about, uh, about how great it is in other countries. And so they'll leave. Um, and so there's a degree of all of that as well, of like having to sort of have a, manage dissidents and and have a thought police but it's not like tropico so much where that's like ha 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 you know oh no there's gonna be rebels uh because you didn't crack down on free thought enough uh it it's doesn't have the same tone there again and i, I enjoy tropico too i'm not saying it's <laughs> it's it's bad but um so uh then basically what you're doing is developing sort of exports that you can export from your country to generate some income so that then you have the, 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 the money piece that you need for the stuff that your society can't do, but it, it goes, it's, it's really cool. Cause the detail even gets into things like the vehicles that are driving around are simulated things that they are, they become difficult to maintain over time because the game might start in 1960, but then in by like 1975, it might be harder to find parts for the car that was made in 1960. Update your so you have to, yeah, exactly. And there's like dozens of different vehicles. So yeah, you then you have to you have to you have to purchase 
new vehicles, but you could also just decide up front that like, I don't really want to pay for the repair facilities to manage this whole fleet. So at a certain point, yeah, we just, instead, we just send the cars to a recycling center and recycle the parts that we can to use in other parts of the economy and then buy new cars and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, it's, it's super cool how, um, detailed the simulation is without feeling like it's um, a little overwhelming, but it's also not super intimidating either. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of tutorials in it that kind of go step-by-step on a lot of these mechanics. And like I said, you can play it on a, on like easy mode, the, the easiest difficulty you get unlimited money even, and you can build and buy everything with money. So it's, just like and so it's clear that mode, basically, uh, sort of, except that it's still having you manage like the needs of people. So mm-hmm. you can learn how to take care of the population and then start to stack the economic. You can start making it harder by including money. And when you are playing on the harder, like there's a there's a middle ground where it you can you can buy the buildings, but they cost a lot more than what they would cost if you built them yourself. Mm. And the idea being that you're paying you're paying to import all of the materials and you're paying for all the labor and you're paying for all of the the transport of things because you don't have the resources or whatever to do it yourself. So it costs far more than what it would if you actually built it yourself. And so there's this kind of middle ground and then on the harder core realistic modes, it it removes the ability to do that and you have to you have to build things yourself. So I think it's cool because it provides a nice ramp um, and it kind of has some of that logistics management stuff that you get from something like Factorio where you're managing, you know, in some cases you can build like an industrial complex where there are conveyors that are taking, you know, iron from the iron ore to the smelter. And then that's, then that's producing, you know, iron usable iron goods for the, um, the, the construction materials factory or whatever and you can have that all set up by conveyor or you can have trucks that are delivering it from place to place if you couldn't place them close to each other so um it's pretty cool the way that it 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 does all of that uh and it is also interestingly in early access too it's it's yeah. kind of wild because it feels it's been out very much 2019 like almost out five years at this point yeah it feels super finished to me i mean it feels like an indie game but it doesn't yeah. feel it's like our small team game, I guess. Like it's not crazy polished, but that's also kind of part of the charm too, is it has a real look and feel of like a two thousands, late two thousands mm-hmm. city building game, which is kind of like the the golden era in some ways for those kind of management yeah. games. And so it's nice. It doesn't and the UI is is a lot more I don't know if friendly is the right word, but the way they've clearly thought about there's a lot How, of small text. <laughs> there's a lot of small text, but they've they've thought about like smart places to put mm-hmm. a lot of the controls mm-hmm. for these different things. So if you in your head are like, God, I have no idea how I would manage getting this car to a repair place. If you've played these kind of games before, you can f- kind of figure it out because it's it's pretty intuitive the way that the menu works. And you can like pin windows and resize them and stuff, um, which is, is super helpful. Uh, so... Yeah, it's cool. And it's also uh, part of the reason that I found out about it is it's published by Hooded Horse, which is like, they're like a, a pretty awesome, they've just oh, got an, a bunch of really awesome stuff. Uh, against the Storm. Yeah. 
exactly. Yeah, okay. uh, which is a game I'm pretty fond of. Um, they published Terra Invicta, which is a game I haven't played enough of, but I'm super interested to play at some point. Um, they are publishing a game called, well, this they have multiple space, like capital spaceship stuff, like games <laughs> like this. Alliance of the Sacred Suns looks cool, and there was another one that had a really neat... I don't remember if it was Breachway or what. Oh, no, no. Falling Frontier. Falling Frontier looks awesome. Uh, it's like kind of a... a, a it, it's They it describes it as Conqueror of Vast Procedurally Generated Star System and Falling Frontier Sci-Fi RTS, where Intel and logistics are decisive factors. Um, and then they also have a game called... S- espiocracy coming out that i'm really excited about that is uh about it's a grand strategy game uh where you play as an intelligence agency from one of 74 different countries during the cold war uh which is very interesting to me so uh crusader kings except you're playing as like the kgb or the cia or Mm -hmm. something uh in in the in the 50s to the through the 80s uh so Anyway, Wooded Horse publishes a lot of cool stuff. I pretty much trust games that they publish, and I, I think I was right to trust them on this uh, Workers and Resources game because it's very cool. Nice. But it's, it is dense. Uh, it does take time. Like I, I can't. I haven't even fully grasped everything in it. I spent hours just kind of looking at the tutorials and stuff. Uh, but, um, but it's very cool, and it does feel like you make progress to understanding it as you play through the tutorials, mm-hmm. which is nice. So, mm-hmm. and they're fun to to play as you kind of uncover how the systems work. Nice. Yeah, it's it's on sale for another couple days at the time of this recording. So hopefully we'll. Cool. Yeah, interesting. That Sounds interesting a... to you. You can yeah. check it out. Uh, there. That is a. It looks like a dense game. Uh, but if you were looking for a city builder because city skylines too didn't do it for yeah and whatnot it seems like it's a good option and it's dense but i should stress that it doesn't feel it's not like um it's not like i don't know if factorio is a good example because it doesn't look like factorio (laughs) no it's it's dense but it's not like one of those like wolf i couldn't man if i had all the time in the world i could learn to play this it's like no if you if you've played city builders before you can totally play this game it's it's not it's not like a game for crazy people (laughs) like like a lot of the games that i play let me tell Uh, you uh, city builders games for crazy people uh (laughs) <laughs> no, it's 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 if you can play some city, you can play workers and, and resources. Uh it's just it focuses more on uh or it's got a more detailed um logistics yeah, and economy like than, step up than those games. Yeah. Detail yeah. and what you can do. Yeah, but from but those games. it's not that hard to manage it and learn it because yeah. of the way that they can sl- you can kind of slowly ramp into mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Well, uh workers and resource, a Soviet Republic. Uh on Steam. Uh, in early also, access. you you get a bunch of the, the aesthetics are great. You get a bunch of like Soviet era looking cars and yeah. and trucks and it, stuff. It uh, does it does have a, a nice look. Uh, yeah, like you're saying it's, it's, it does look kind of like dated, but like in a good way. It's intentional. It's very yeah, intentional. Yes. yes. Uh, all right. Well, uh, I also played a little bit of a management game um, with Cult of the Lamb, which is uh, from. Devolver Digital, uh, the folks over there. Uh, I don't. I believe it's a new developer, um, but uh, Cult of the Lamb is a. Uh, stop me if you've heard this. An action rogue light. Stop. 
Yeah. Okay. Continue. <laughs> that, that's all. That's all for this episode of the Game of Christmas. <laughs> uh, Cult of the Lamb is you are playing at the game starts and you are this little lamb uh, who has been brought before these four gods to be sacrificed because they're like, oh, okay, we're if we kill the last lamb, then nobody will be left to worship the the god that we locked away and. Now, so we're gonna kill you, and then you get saved by this other god, and they're like, "Okay, now you gotta worship me, and you gotta recruit followers, and then go kill all those other gods, and let me free." Uh, so, uh, as this lamb, you are uh building up your cult compound uh, in this forest, uh, at building um sleeping quarters and bathrooms and a kitchen and farms and all this kind of stuff uh, to manage the happiness and satisfaction in the lives of your cult members uh, while you go into the forest and murder uh, various uh, creatures and monsters uh, in your quest to please your your god save your thing <laughs> is this game part of the remedy connected universe um not that i know of uh it is uh, as of i believe the 16th it will have more sex than the remedy games um but that's the there is the that's uh impressive i mean <laughs> they they have a, a sins of the flesh update i'm not sure how this came about i there was some joke like, oh, if we get so many retweets, we'll put sex in the game. And then they got that many retweets. Oh, yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah, yeah. So they added um, sex to the game. So I, I, I guess the your cultists can now mate and like have an egg. And they're all mammals. Yeah. Or like, I play, I, apparently mammals. I played, so I'm not sure how that works. <laughs> I don't know. I played a little bit of uh, about half of actually Max Payne 1 uh-huh. uh, okay, last weekend. Yeah, sure. And there is there is definitely a scene that was that is i was like whoa so i'm still not convinced that it's more sure, got more uh, sex in it sure, than, right uh than I, the remedy been a long universe, time since but, i've yeah. looked at max Payne, but uh that that is very very feasible um <laughs> so Does yeah max Payne pay taxes because they posted on twitter uh, if we get enough followers, does that mean we don't have to pay taxes? Seems like we are an organized religion at this point. And then they like later posted, "I'm joking. Oh my god! Like this was not serious. Don't, please don't, I don't think remedy. Us. This is the joke. I don't. I don't think remedy should have to build tax. Pay build pay tax. <laughs> uh, build a tax shelter. They're in uh, Sweden. One of those Nordic countries, aren't they? Yeah, they're Swedish. Uh, they're Swedish. Yeah, so they pay a lot of taxes. Uh, yes, but um, yeah, uh, cult of the lamb. You can tax your cult followers uh, if you like. Uh, as you go through the the dungeons, or go through the different um, areas of the forest or biomes that uh, your runs take place in, you uh, collect uh, various resources that you can used to upgrade and uh build up your um your settlement your your oh god what 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 do they call bolts like compounds your compound um and then you create oh, uh edicts no what are, i'm i'm fuzzy on all of the the terminology they use but um you 
say, okay, now this is what our cult believes. This is how we feel about death. Death, and you can choose, death is good. Uh, when someone dies, we're happy. And it has, like, this sort of impact. Or, oh, no, we're unhappy when people die. We don't like to see dead people. And you get a different bonus from that. Uh, so you're managing things like that. And if you're... If you decide your cult doesn't like death, then you're probably not going to sacrifice many people uh, in your cult because the trade-off of what you the um, energy and the resource you get from sacrificing people will uh, maybe not necessarily offset the decline in faith that you hit from freaking everyone out. But when you sacrifice them to a weird eldritch horror monster and a bunch of meat pops out of their corpse uh, that you can possibly feed to them. Uh, so it's, the game is constantly pitting its cutesy aesthetic against the, um, the you know, the weird, horrific things you're perpetrating, the social uh, pressures and terrible things they do to each other, you can put people in stockades if they're like being uppity and um, trying to like get people to like, hey, I don't think what we're doing is right, or you know, they're not fully believing in the cult. So you re-educate them, stick them in the stockades, and once a day you can go up and uh, lecture them and re-educate them. Uh, but there's like uh, when they're the when the creatures are. Like, you're managing their food and their sleep and all that kind of stuff. And if they eat and you don't have a toilet, they just, like, shit all over. <laughs> just, they're just walking around mm. shitting all over this, like, meadow. And then if they're shitting everywhere, then that makes them get sick because they're just like, oh, there's just, like, poop here. And they're like, oh, I'm sick. And then they just barf. And then there's barf and shit all over your compound. Uh, and so then you have to assign someone to go pick that up. But you can't do that until you've upgraded the point that you have like a janitor facility so you have to do it yourself uh so you're slowly building up your automation of your compound and uh you've got people worshiping and people harvesting resources and farming and all that kind of stuff um it's a little bit on the thin side i feel like um kind of what i heard about it it yeah it's I a cool a idea if they had expanded it out I, I agree with that. I, I played some of it, but I just, I, I didn't really feel the need. I, I feel yes. like I played it and then I was kind of like, you know, honestly, I'm kind of good. Um, yeah. It, but it's, it's an interesting game, but it, I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like one of the first times I go out for the kind of action parts, mm -hmm. I came back and I'm like, I was gone for five minutes. What the fuck did you do? Uh -huh, yeah, it, there is you a know? little bit of that. Uh, the, like the speed at which things happen. People age incredibly fast. Uh, it's like I walked like, out and then oh, they come back and this person's dead. They just died of old age. What exactly. The hell? They were like yeah. 30. What? I was like, I left for five minutes and like it all fell to shit. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 it's it's an interesting game and it's kind of one that I keep thinking, oh, should I return to? Mm -hmm. But I feel like I also kind of like it was more of more of my feeling about it was like oh neat this this is an interesting idea for how to do a mechanic and have yeah. that kind of 
cult theme, but I didn't really feel the need to really. Yeah, if I had played on a harder difficulty, may because I believe there are multiple difficulties. If I had played on a harder difficulty, uh, I think maybe it would have been more interesting to engage with those like the mechanics of you can sacrifice a follower and turn them into a buff for a run. Like in the higher level, your follower, mm-hmm. the the better buff they can be. But the runs aren't so difficult that you yeah. really need it. it. It's a pretty easy game for the most part. Like there were a few runs where I just things didn't go well and I, I died, but I didn't die so much that I felt like, Oh, I gotta, you know, it's a, it's a really difficult uh, this is like a really hard game and I got to really like practice and like level up my guys. So I have more power and stuff like that. It just felt like over the course of the game, I progressively, like I was as powerful as I needed to be to beat yeah. everything. Uh, and I wasn't like overcoming anything really. It was just like, yep. Okay. I, I, I leveled up a little bit and now I am as strong as I need to be to take on the next thing. Uh, which was, uh, yeah, is a little bit simple and easy in that way. If you do unlock a permadeath mode, uh, once you've beat it, uh, which I did, and but I didn't feel a need to go back because it didn't seem like there was so much content that you would see necessarily different things. Um, and to be fair to them, they are updating it over time and. They've got a big update with, uh, you know, romance or at least, uh, you know, making the cultist members produce babies and reproduce and all that kind of stuff. Um, so down the road, who knows what kind of stuff they might add. But the the base game is cute and kind of like reminiscent of Binding of Isaac in that way, which is why I thought uh, you might like it is because it does have that contradiction or that opposing like kind of cute but also kind of disturbing with what's going on um but yeah it, it's got a cool style and uh that kind of stuff but just a little bit disappointing with the gameplay but it was it was a good steam deck game so uh on sale i think it's worth checking out if you're really looking for that kind of game and like that's like you're into the aesthetic and all that kind of stuff but would like to have seen it be a little bit more um, fleshed out. But, hey, we we had some a through line there with base building in this week's episode. Uh, is there anything else anybody wants to talk about? Um, It hasn't started yet, but depending on when this episode goes up, um, I'm going to try awesome and do it quick. tomorrow. We'll, we'll see. Uh, awesome games done quick uh, starts tomorrow as of the recording of this video so or, or, of this uh, podcast uh, so uh, check that out um, great event for charity uh, and I know there have been weird things with games and charity lately but this actually goes <laughs> directly to the charity so <laughs> uh, it's it, it, they always do a good job and uh, raise Starts millions of dollars at this point 2 a.m on monday for me what the hell That's... yeah because it starts like 11 a.m sunday my time or... on sunday okay. yeah it usually go weekend to weekend um but i mean it's like it is a full 24 hour 
kind of constant stream. So. Yeah, yeah. And in my opinion, some of the, I think a lot of the more interesting games usually get in the uh, middle of the night for my time because that's when they put the weird stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's the stuff I'm like, oh, that'd be kind of fun to watch, like, you know, uh, like, um, like in, in the middle of the night for me on Monday, it's going to do uh, like clock tower typing of the mm-hmm, dead, mm-hmm. you know, kind of old stuff like that. Then, uh, yeah. So I, th- I think there's always, uh, I-, I think always good stuff going on regardless of your time zone. Um, they're doing paper Mario in the middle of the night. I'm like, what's up with that? I've got work <laughs> the next day. Um, uh, uh, yeah. So, it, it, there, but there's always a, a lot of very good games there. And, and then, you got a 45 minute Starfield spots. run. Yeah. Oh, they have like a, a Baldur's Gate 3 that's like mm-hmm. under an hour, I think. Oh, so. Well, I wonder what, like, there are a lot of different, like, speedrun categories for Baldur's Gate 3. There's like sex percent, and there's. Uh, <laughs> There, there are. Of course, there is. Yeah, like I doubt that's what they're doing for games done quick, but like you can, you can end that game uh, at the end of Act Two. You can. There, there are a lot of different places you can end it. So, looks like they're saying it's all acts, and the estimated time is thirty-five minutes. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, people do some real silly stuff. Yeah, I know that. I, I, one of the ones that I watched um, a long time ago was. uh, I think it was Dragon Age, and mm. they like did so many like like little exploits to get, yeah. do stuff, uh, uh, and it, it it was almost like unrecognizable. Um, but I think there there's they always have a really good variety of stream of um, runs too. Like they do a lot with those kind of um, you know with a lot of exploits so you see a game just completely being destroyed but then you also have a lot of games where uh you see really high quality um gameplay uh so like uh there's almost always going to be some sort of um tetris showcase or some sort of you know mario maker type of showcase or kaizo mario showcase where you see people play video games and you're just like i will never be as good at at anything as somebody is at beating a video game like this so uh yeah it's 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 very cool um and i i always recommend it because they're they do a lot of really great stuff and uh play a lot of very cool games you got something to say pat no okay uh yeah uh, it'll be definitely one i'm thing i check out at some point uh because yeah there's always some interesting runs in there but i have to branch out from my usual like oh yeah i've watched resident evil 4 be speed run i've watched majora's mask be speed run i should find something else to watch resident evil 4 like though like the like resident evil where it's it's the mode where it's all um or like the Resident Evil, I think seven, mm-hmm. where yeah, everything's that's... shuffled, all the items mm-hmm. are shuffled. That's a that's a good that's a good run. I, I believe mean, the guy are... who did that run is actually doing Resident Evil two in a race, uh, Resident Evil two oh, remake nice. in a race for hardcore no damage. The races are always really fun. I I love watching those yeah. because 
uh, sometimes sometimes it's uh, things are just so uh, so close, and you're just like, how I I, 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 I don't understand. understand. Yeah, someone's doing a level yeah, one like... sorcerer in Diablo one. <laughs> so yeah, there's gonna be yeah. It looks like there's gonna be stuff. a a Hades race, which would be good. Okay, so. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, uh, make sure you check that stuff out and uh, enjoy video games in 2024. Yeah. That's that's my New Year's resolution. Enjoy video <laughs> enjoy games. Enjoy video games. Uh, cool. Yeah. Uh, where can people... Where would you like to direct people besides <laughs> Games Done Quick? Whether that be to yourself or something else the media or whatever allison um ooh, or to media that's an uh, interesting just, like, you know your recommendation oh boy or... i'm gonna need some i'm gonna need some time they just i know i'm hey, like looking at my letterbox plenty of more episodes just you know off the top of your dome like oh hey check this out i don't know uh um so, uh, there's a lot of big movies that are out right now. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon is now just um, hit Apple. on Apple. Yeah. It just hit Apple. So, uh, and I watched that last night. It was really, really good. Um, and uh, I also enjoyed The Holdovers quite a bit. So, there's a lot of, a lot of good movies coming into this awards season. Uh, I would probably say Killers of the Flower Moon is, like, more vital but if you want like kind of more feel good then the holdovers is great too so uh yeah both of them are very good movies and uh should be going up for a lot of awards well deserved all right i think it's very cool that killers of the flower moon sparked a lot of conversation about uh a white director directing a movie that is very much a story about indigenous people but it sparked mm -hmm. the conversation in a lot of the indigenous critics that i follow some of them were very like praised it some of them were were less hot on it but it was also like like a clearly scorsese took the time to try and so we're gonna if yeah. like in a good way so we're gonna try to evaluate this in good faith and talk about it mm -hmm. and and rather than like someone who tries to cash in on a story like that yeah. and deserves criticism. And it's a lot more, there's a lot more vitriol around it, which is appropriate. I'm not criticizing yeah. the vitriol. I'm criticizing the people who make shitty stuff that yeah. is just there to, to, to make money off of another group's, you know, you know, to yeah. appropriate another group's story. So anyway, I thought a lot of, I loved, I haven't watched the movie yet, but I loved reading a lot of that criticism and it yeah. made me interested to watch it with an open mind. Oh, for sure. And, and I think that it's, um, you know, a lot of, it, there, there is definitely a criticism to be made about that. I think that it's done respectfully. And, mm -hmm. um, and I think that a lot of the story is basically about the shitty white people. So yeah. I feel like that's, you know, maybe how Scorsese could have like kind of come into it, but then also coming like from a place of respect and from a place of, like wow, these 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 white people involved are really terrible. Like like yes. oh my god, it's like horrible. Um, but um, like uh, Lily Gladstone, who's like the um main 
character from the uh who, who plays the main character of the Osage Nation. Um, she uh some there is an actress uh f- or an actor rather from the show Reservation Dogs who uh, criticized mm-hmm. the movie and uh, Lily Gladstone's response was um very I think like the best response you could possibly have. Um, basically just saying like her reaction is a response to a lot of the trauma that native women feel seeing a lot of these things for the first time. Um, you know, ultimately I understand that this, but that, but that this process of the making this movie gave a lot of people a chance to speak. And, uh, a lot of people in the Osage nation and, uh, the ability to process and the, the ability. So it was like, it was really good. I think yeah. response. Um, that was one of the like, things, the interactions I saw that I thought was awesome. She, she, oh, She's like, she's unbelievable. She is so yeah. good in that movie. I'm like, if she doesn't have like the biggest career in the world, I'm going to like, like <laughs> riot. Literally, I will go like go to everybody, every like film director's house and be like, I see you're not casting Lily Gladstone and things. Interesting, <laughs> interesting, because she's uh, yeah, she's she's unbelievable. Um, but I yeah that. That interaction was made me really happy because I think there's a lot of, you know, way you can discuss that, especially since there is a lot of, like, very clear trauma that's being shown, you know, towards these people. But I think it's an important story to tell um, and one where I know that I wasn't fully aware of all of the horrifying details of yeah. how people came in to like essentially like kill all these people for their money for their money and it's just like it's just like it's it's i think it does a really great job and um in doing that but i i I think that you can definitely have like a lot of respectful conversation about about the movie but I, i personally thought it was was phenomenal yeah, yeah. It sounds like it's uh yeah, I don't know. It was just it was it was actually good criticism in a lot yeah. of directions that made sense and I thought it was cool that It was good criticism, uh, but I think it was it was it was taken very well and I think that it's uh I I think that you can have like it's it's fostered a lot of interesting discussion, which is really cool. Um in addition to being just an incredibly well-made movie like like Scorsese, I don't know how you're doing it. Uh but you it's yeah. like like fuck man that no guy knows how to direct a movie yeah like hot takes here uh martin scorsese knows how to make a movie but you know he really some people need to hear that (laughs) it's 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 three and a half hours of a movie but it's like it's it it's all it's completely needed i'm like i i didn't i that's part of why I didn't see it in theaters, and I'm a little bit mad at myself for not because I was like, "Oh, a movie." You're a coward. Because I was a co- I was a coward, but it, but it's like I I feel like it's there's no like there's no filler, there's no extra. It's like we're it's it's all necessary. So, uh, anyways, that's where I'm gonna direct people to see as uh, go see Killers of the Flower Moon because it's it's wonderful sure all right uh, pat you you had your your time 
where would I, you like to I, direct people this week? Yes, I like this uh, this 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 concept because I don't want to. I uh, definitely tell people to use social media. Stolen it from uh, remap, but <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they've done something yeah. similar for Waypoints. a long time. I think even all the way to Waypoint did yeah. that stuff too. Um, yeah, so I uh, would direct people to watch The Bear, which yeah. is mm-hmm. a uh, I have not watched season two yet, but I watched the first season of The Bear last week, and what a show! What a great show! It's uh, not as fucking nuts. That show rips. Uh, if you've heard people like speaking in hushed tones about how intense it is and how hard it is to watch. Don't listen. It's yeah, it's got it's intense moments. If but you've it's, got like social it's, it's anxiety, like if if you're one of those like super empathetic people, like I could see it being that way. Yeah, but, but you should still watch it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Just I don't know. It's a great show, yeah, and it, it yeah. you know it has some the the there is a, a content warning for for suicide that's definitely relevant, and I can see that as being a, a trigger for some people that might be tough. Uh, so I get that part, yeah. but alcohol. I don't know. It's. Um, like there are uh yeah but it's 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 just a really good show with really good it's and it's not a violent show there like people kept talking about it and i assumed that there i mean there's one part that's violent but um, people kept talking about it in a way that made me assume that like it was going to devolve into just being a like typical show about like gangsters or something uh, like that it was going to end up being something that it wasn't but it's uh, it is literally just a show about running a kitchen yeah yeah uh, <laughs> uh I, like and I have, it's awesome but yeah having worked like around a little bit in like some kitchens and stuff like it was very like oh jesus christ yeah this this all seems bad <laughs> for so many reasons uh and like seeing things like seeing things coming because like having you know working even in like a more commercial kitchen or like a a large scale thing than what's going on there it's like oh no they're not they're not being safe at all and i could tell this is going to be bad (laughs) i worked in a extremely similar situation to the bear Mm -hmm. that was a um it wasn't run by a famous chef Mm -hmm. obviously but it was a like local bistro cafe kind of trying to go for like they were trying to go for like a a parisian street cafe sort of thing so it was uh but it was the primary it was mostly serving students and faculty at, at the university of michigan so it still had that like we're not high class we're not serving yeah we're not it's not high class but the guy who owned it was very like was into food and wanted to make you know dishes that were um a cut above what you would find yeah. at like Jimmy John's down the street yeah. and so uh and and I loved working there it was a great place to work but it was intense and there it was very similar in many of those episodes I was like yeah I've I've had I had those days yeah. <laughs> uh I mean literally like they, the episode where they turn on the to go orders and a ton of orders did, come in. I don't want to, I won't spoil too much of the did, show, but do you realize that kind of stuff that happened to us? Like one take? <laughs> yeah, it's one take. Like yeah, it's it. one shot. Or they, at least they claim they shot oh, it. Well, yeah, I, don't, I mean, that's like how they I don't do know if I believe things. it's really no, one take, it's, but they like made 1917 it. or whatever. It's, you know, there's wipe cuts and things like that to make it yeah, look but, like uh, one take, but still, like, but it, yeah, it's like a single The premise is it's one shot. Getting to the end of that episode going, wait. I don't think there was a single fucking cut in that entire episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really and I cool. love that. Uh, 
it's not it's a dramatic show, but they don't really exaggerate things in ways that are like over the top or shitty. It's pretty when it's intense. I mean, that's just kind of how working in kitchens is. Yeah, <laughs> it's just kind of how they it get is. Out of like they get into more like the interpersonal relationship stuff in season two and like less. Yeah. Um, and so there's a little bit more of the Christmas episode, which Allison watched. Oh my god, <laughs> Holy that shit. was whole that like oh my god, I need to watch. I, I've only I've watched a couple episodes of season one, and it was very intense. And then, uh, my my family that were all like, um, who, who all loves the show too, and they're like, let's watch the Christmas episode of The Bear for Christmas, and I'm like, this is the most <laughs> stressful thing. Holy shit. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, well, you have that, that to look forward to, Pat. Um, yes, I'm. I'm probably going to start it today, or at least this weekend. I watched the whole first season in literally one sitting. <laughs> my friend, uh, my friend Paul and I just—he's already he had already seen it, and I was playing World of Warcraft, and we were hanging out in voice chat, mm-hmm. and I was like, "What if I watch the bear?" And he was like, "Yeah, you should." And <laughs> so I put it on and streamed it on Discord, and we just. He also pays for it. We, he pays for a uh-huh. Disney Plus too. You can't get mad at us. The, uh, Disney. Uh-huh. Uh, God, the, and um, uh, yeah, I I did get spoiled on the end of season two, which was a little disappointing. Um, I thankfully have not had that yeah, happen. They so. they are gearing up to start filming uh, season three, uh, which that'll be interesting it's good because i feel like there's no way to know for sure if any show is going to survive yeah anymore every season i watch of a show i assume it's its last well, so the bear did nice is that like sweeping award shows so yeah i mean it should yeah um yeah multiple people um are getting awards uh i will leave you with a little bit of an international flair uh this past week, two weeks, uh, my wife and I have been watching Vivant, which is uh, a Japanese drama uh, that was very popular last year, uh, starring Abe Hiroshi, who is co-starring, uh, who has an incredibly <laughs> his web his personal website is a meme because it's just so simple. It's just like white page, black text, and like I think a monochrome photo of him. Uh, so people just like are constantly memeing about that page, but um, I'm it, looking this up right yeah, now. Yeah, Abe Hiroshi website. Uh, oh, <laughs> I haven't seen a website like this. Since, yeah, like, it's it's like just 2000. Yeah, or like 1999. Recently, it was um like trending on Twitter because I think someone else made this website for him, and yeah. um. He's like, yeah, I'm just gonna use this as my personal website. But some, it was trending because like someone was using one of those like make cats play on your web browser things, and it just wouldn't work <laughs> on this page for some reason. Like it is the only website it wouldn't work on was this page, and that became like a tr- a trend on Twitter in Japan. Uh, but uh, Vivant is wild because it's I haven't been watching a lot of like network TV, but it's basically like a fox like mid 2000s like 24 prison break era fox tv Mm. show about um like uh sort of like a japanese like mi6 or like what uh i've heard about this show yeah uh 
like there was you know spies and police and cat and mouse stuff there's a little bit of like a death note like oh he knows that i know that he knows that i know that he knows uh type situation and uh international terrorist groups and uh going back and forth to mongolia and japan and uh you know all these interconnected things uh but it was really funny because i haven't seen a show do the zoom and enhance thing (gasps) in i don't know how long like oh yes multiple times oh yeah (laughs) like clean up the footage (laughs) it doesn't work that's pretty why are we still doing this in the year 2023 uh it's cool man yeah it was just like it got clowned on so much in america i guess that people stopped doing it because i don't watch a lot of uh like this kind of tv show in america these days but boy i used to oh yeah you know (laughs) yeah uh, i haven't watched a lot of any like I watched, I watched, I used to watch CSI and Criminal Minds for like eight hours a day when I was in college. (laughs) Man, when I was in college, like, uh, Hulu just had dropped and Mm -hmm. I watched a lot of, like, anything on Hulu, Mm -hmm. basically. Yeah, the the weird thing about Vivant is it's like... Uh, high budget like very famous actors in japan but i like it's got like sort of like b movie level acting in a lot of ways and they're like a lot like i think it's just japanese like the japanese style um it's like there's a lot of like very extreme facial expressions and like very you know dramatic cuts and things like that um which is uh is fine you know it's a it's a different way of watching but it's on japanese netflix so if you have a vpn it's got english subtitles uh you can check it out it's 10 episodes the first one's like 90 minutes the others are an hour but uh yeah it's it's got a (laughs) it was very big and very popular in japan last year and it'll probably be a few years before there's a second season but people want one so uh, if you're into want to see a different country's take on you know the the spy stuff and uh jack bauer type shenanigans or whatever i guess uh vivant is uh pretty good i mentioned it to that i had been watching it to one of my the teachers i work with and he's like oh yeah vivant <laughs> uh so yeah that, that's what i would uh recommend people maybe go and give a look this week but yeah, that's going to do it for our episode this week, episode 300 on January 7th, 2024. I've been your host, Audrey Cole, a.k.a. The Wet Gamer, a.k.a. Your partner's favorite candy bar. And we will be back next week with another episode of the Gaming Fix Podcast. Stay wet, gamers.